Welcome to another episode of Foolish Adventure. I'm Izzy Hyman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Tim Conley. Hello, Tim. Hey, what's up, Izzy? Hello. Okay. So we've had a couple questions in the comments that have to do with this, uh, this idea of starting off and having free content that's already available on the web, and then you decide you want to start monetizing it, and you want to take sort of the path that I took and start charging for the content. How do you deal with that? And the only thing I can really draw upon is my own experience. And I know, Tim, you're, you're planning on drawing on some of your experiences as yes. you've been associated with other things that are very different from what I've done. But here's what I did. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of a sort of a backstory, uh, when I started my podcast, uh, my Izzy Video podcast, I started putting out episodes for free, and I did that for a good probably almost two years, where I was putting out episodes as often as I could. And because it was a weekend and evening type of project, it was probably like maybe a couple episodes a month. Sometimes I would do like four episodes in a month, but hardly ever. Most like most of the time, it was like two, and. After a while, I had this nice archive, and at the time, I was trying to make money by using AdSense on the website. It wasn't adding up to much, so that definitely wasn't working for me. I had considered and even started talking to a couple different folks about doing some sort of a sponsorship thing, but that wasn't working either. And then it got to the point where I had people that were asking me for things. Like my audience members were saying things like, hey, can you do this? Can you please cover that? Can you? And I started developing like this little to-do list for myself that was sort of actually, honestly, it was sort of stressing me out because this is my free hobby that was costing me. It was costing me money. It was costing me time. And also it was starting to create like psychological stress on me. And so I got to the point where with this to-do list and, and people making like requests and, and having expectations, I started thinking, you know what? I'm not, really, I'm not really excited about continuing this thing. And so I was considering, I was honestly considering, I was about to shut the whole thing down. And at that time, I went to, uh, what was it? The Portable Media Expo. I met Don McAllister, who we still need to have on this show, incidentally, but uh, Don McAllister was the, the founder of Screencast Online. He did this whole presentation about how he was making money as a full-time podcaster and he was making a full-time living. I was extremely interested in it. And in fact, so interested that I got some time with him afterwards, asked him a few follow-up questions, got a basic idea of how his whole structure worked. And then I went home, actually, I went back to my, my uh, hotel room and started putting all the pieces in place. I downloaded, I, I bought a member and I started putting everything in place. And then one day... Not too long after that, I don't know, maybe a week or two weeks after that, I flipped a switch and all of my content without warning that had been free and available to the world, all of my content at that point was now behind a membership wall. And so without any warning, and I didn't want to give anybody, anybody a warning, frankly, because I didn't want everybody who was part of my audience to just suddenly like download everything that they could you know what I mean? Like the, with the warning, they could just download and hoard it and then put it somewhere else or anything like that. I didn't want that. So I just did it without any warning. And I was really nervous. And I announced that it was now available to members only. And then I launched the membership program. And I remember I had notifications set up, emails coming to my phone at the time. And I remember walking around at my uh, at my kids, like, what is it? It's like a school festival where they have, it's sort of like an outdoor festival. They do it every October. And I was there at that event with my kids, and my phone kept buzzing every time somebody would sign up for the membership program. So two things were happening at the same time. I was having a whole bunch of people sign up for my membership program on day one, which was great validation for me that it could work. 
And then the other thing that happened is I started getting a lot of hate email from people that are saying, I can't believe you're just trying to make money off this stuff. You were, I thought you were such a pure hearted person, you know, giving away everything for free. And then, uh, yeah, anyway, so I was getting both at the same time. That is how I did it. Now, Tim made a really good point in that this is something I stumbled on. It's not something I intentionally did. Like when I created these videos, it wasn't with the intention that I was going to someday put them behind a membership wall. I was creating them because I thought they were going to be awesome and I just wanted to put them out there as my main content and I was thinking there'd be some other way to monetize it. it turns out that for me, there wasn't. It just wasn't that big of an audience, a big, it was not that big of a niche. But when you're dealing with a small niche like this, I think it really makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now at this point, I probably should take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story how that happened, Tim. And it's, and it's a very fine story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my experience in that is, so for the last five years, I've been telling clients to you know, create excellent content that is specifically designed for marketing that's going to be given away for free in exchange to get somebody's email address so that you're able to market to them and, and, and eventually sell your products. And there's all sorts of variations of that tactic. So that's why when, when we've been talking about is these three product approach, it's kind of the uh, variation that, you know, cause if it, if it was the true is these approach, it would be, you know, replicating, you know, stumbling upon, you know, uh, uh, this uh, this system that worked, and but instead, we're, uh, what we've done is been able to codify what what you've done. You know, you've been yeah. able you've been able to replicate it since, which means it's no longer. Hey, you know, this is something I I I, I put out great content just because I wanted to put out great content, and then all of a sudden I charged for it. Yeah, it's interesting because we did the same thing with paper clipping after it worked for Izzy Video, and Noelle and I were very nervous once again about it. it what is it going to work for paper clipping? And it totally worked for that too. Did the exact same thing. Took the existing content that was available for free, put it behind a membership wall without any warning at all, and started charging for the content. And there were quite a few supportive people that signed up for it. And paper clipping is a, it, on its own; it could be a standalone profitable business. So it's totally. It's a, it's something that's, you know, I guess you could say it's validated that it's, it's something that works. And we did the same thing for rolling R's. Now rolling R's isn't as successful as paper clipping and Izzy video, but it's still for the amount of effort that our host puts into it. It's still more than just a worthwhile project. I mean, it's definitely more than worthwhile. Um, Okay, so I guess the reason why I go into all of this and why we're kind of delving into this is because we've had people in the audience ask us, hey, I've already been, I already have a website. I've already been giving away content. There's quite a bit out there. I can't just start charging for it, can I? And my answer is, yeah, that's actually an option. You don't have to, but you can. You know, I know the model that we're trying now is to actually provide, for example, this show, Foolish Adventure, we're giving it away for free. We're going to keep it free forever. And we're going to have other things that we sell that supplement it nicely. And it's going to be, you know, this on its own is a nice standalone product. It's worthwhile. It's not like this is nothing but a pitch fest for what we're, you know, what we're going to be selling on the side or anything like that. This is a standalone, worthwhile, valuable thing that we can produce and people can benefit from. But you know, there's definitely a lot of different ways you can do it. I encourage you, if you do have content that's already out there and you've managed to maintain some kind of control over it, then, uh, then you know, consider charging for it. If it's valuable, if it's something somebody would pay money for, then consider charging for it. Yeah, and I, I would then give the, you know, op- op- not opposite advice, but different advice in that 
uh, you've already put out all this free content. Hopefully you've been putting it out and getting uh, people's contact information. You know, if you've been get, uh, you know, getting people on an RSS is not the same as getting their email address. Getting them on Twitter is not the same as getting their email address. Uh, you know, Facebook, you know, sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen it work for people there, but, uh, but if uh, Facebook ever changes the rules and you can't contact the people that you've got in your marketing list there, well, then you, then you might be in trouble. So getting that email list is is worth putting out that free content. Now, I would then say create content that's going to be solely, uh, you know, a, a unique content that's going to be sit behind that membership wall uh, uh, or in a product that they have to buy and download. Uh, I would I would say, you know, leave the free stuff out there for free and and have it keep getting you more email addresses so that you can then have the ability to sell something to them at a later time. That's definitely an option too. I mean, there's definitely, there's not just one way to do this. That's for sure. That would work. That yeah, would work. There, you know, there's, there's tons of ways of doing it. Oh yeah. And, and I've seen the, I've seen people who have people opt in before they ever get to see the sales page. You know, like the, the opt in is getting the ability to read the sales page. And which I, I, I'm flabbergasted even today. That, but that it, works. Yeah, that it works, <laughs> but it has been working for years where you can get their opt-in information and then immediately place them on a sales page and you'll probably get uh, 20% of the people who opted in to buy the product right then and there. Uh, so th- there's uh, of uh, all kinds of uh, variations of this approach of having the free content out there and then switching to a paid model. It's funny because I actually did something that's not quite the same thing, but I did something that's a little bit similar to what I'm talking about just recently. And that is that my Final Cut Express course, which I've talked about over and over again because it's been such a success for me, but it's been it's been free and it's out there and it is free. And one of the things that I did is about maybe two weeks ago, I, I had been getting all these emails from people asking me, hey, can you make a downloadable version that I can just download and save it to my computer where I don't have to come to your website, which was sort of the opposite of what I really intended for it to do because one of the reasons I have the course out there is to attract people to my website. But I thought, you know what, uh, I, could cr- I could, if I want, I could make it to where people can actually purchase the downloaded version, which is identical to the version that is on my website for free, right? And I did it. And I can't believe it, but every day people are buying that. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's exactly the same, exactly the same content with no variation. And all I'm doing is allowing them to buy it, and now they and they're buying it every day. Well, so it's an additional product, something I already had out there. It's because you've created a value from it. That, right. That's really the only reason you can charge for it, and that's the only reason people are willing to pay for it is that you have given them something that makes it more convenient for, uh, for, for their learning process. So you've created the value of this, this is going to sit on their computer. So I, 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 you know, I don't doubt that that would have been your results because it, 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 that's how that's people... That's how it works. Uh, yeah, that's how all <laughs> business works. You create value and people will pay for it. And if, this last week I bought an ebook. And I'm doing, I'm learning right now about something I don't really know much about. And that's this whole idea of keywords and SEO and all that stuff. I've never really delved into that, but I bought an ebook that's on that subject and I paid like $29 for it or something like that from, uh, oh, I can't even remember the name of the place right now, but, but 
uh, one of the things I noticed is that in the book itself, the book was basically a, uh, it was sort of a, a, an archive or a conglomeration that, of articles that were already on this company's website. And after, and I was reading it and I realized, you know what, this is actually a lot better than just reading article after article after article. When it's organized like this, it's all the same content, but it's organized into a book and I, I'm a happy customer. It's not like I, it's not like it occurred to me, oh no, this is exactly what I've already been reading on the website, so I'm going to ask for a refund. I'm actually a happy customer. It's exactly what I want. It's on my iPad in one place, in a PDF. It's an ebook, and I'm very happy. It's all it's structured in a logical way where, once again, it adds value. It makes sense to me. Not only that, it also makes it easier for you to go back to because with an article, well, you got to remember which article it was that you saw that piece of information that you want. Yes, you could be using Evernote and, and copy it and stick it into Evernote and then hope Hopefully, when you search Evernote, that you get that piece back. Uh, but when you start building up this library of, of things you've looked at o- o- across the Internet, it gets really hard for you to remember where that nugget was that you that you can now use a year later, right? It just, you, uh, where did I see that? Uh, or even if it's still out there on the net, you know, I can't even find it anymore. Uh, having it in book form is great. Uh, the guy, uh, David uh, Rose uh, from ProBlogger, he, he had the 31 days uh, to a better blog, and he did 31 days of posting on his website on how to, how to make a better blog. Then he took all those posts and turned it into an ebook, and it's, it's a, like a best-selling ebook. And and you could go onto his site and go, you know, day after day after day already on his site. But people want the convenience of having it right there where they can, you know, go back and forth throughout the uh, throughout that ebook. And, and it's been a huge success for him. You know, it's funny to me because if somebody has already had a blog for a while and they have been writing articles that are very valuable, I think that this is I think this is something that people should consider doing more and that is basically selling a book version on their website. If they have a lot of listeners and people like the content that much, then they'll have people buying it. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we we haven't really touched on is making your your content evergreen. You know the the stuff that you're putting out there for free. What do you mean by evergreen? That that it doesn't go stale. It it's not something that is based on like uh, last year's Super Bowl, because after after that's over, well then it it's uh, you know it's, it's dated. Yeah, yeah, it becomes stale. It's it's no longer ever. You know it's no longer green. So you want stuff that's not seasonal, stuff that's going to stick around for a long time. Like uh, with foolish, uh, the Foolish Philosophies post that I've been doing, my, my whole intent is to write these really long articles about the things that I believe about having an online business and how it affects your life, and then eventually put that into uh, a, an ebook form. I have no idea if I'll sell it. You know, if I do it, maybe like a, a donation thing, like, you know, five bucks for the ebook and, and I can uh, and it'll go to a good cause or something. I, I think that would be an awesome way to uh, share that value and then, you know, and then pass it on to someone else. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. Tim, on the subject of evergreen, one of the mistakes that I made with my videos early on, because keep in mind, Tim, I did not keep 
email addresses. I didn't have anybody's email addresses. Unless somebody emailed me, <laughs> I didn't have their email address. And so I, I had no opt-in list or anything like that. I wasn't building a list at all at the time. So I just had my RSS feed and I would get information to my audience through that RSS feed. So what would happen is I'd have these videos and on the front end of the video, I would do like little video updates that you can imagine they'd be things like, hey, I'm going to be talking at the Apple store on Thursday. So if you're in the area, <laughs> you know, come check it out. You can imagine, you know, what a major hassle. Now, uh, that video is, is not even close to evergreen anymore. You know, it's t it was specific to that time. So one of the absolutely one of the smartest things that I think anybody can do is just keep in mind, OK, I'm going to keep anything out of this that could someday become dated. That is a smart thing to do with your writing. It, you know, in fact, in fact, one of the things that I'm doing when I'm researching is I look on the web and I notice the dates that things are written. And if it seems like it's really old, I almost kind of discount it. Even if it's something that could be universally true throughout the ages, if it was written in 2005, which seems like a long time ago for the web, then I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, there must be a better article. You know, like if the, <laughs> there must be a better article because it's more up to date. Right. You know what I mean? And so and so uh, a lot of people won't even have the dates on their website. Yeah, I, that's that's something that blogs definitely shouldn't have uh, is that is the having the date on there, mostly because of, of the fact that uh, people are uh, ingrained into new is better and and they'll they'll discount anything that's been around for a while. But the same people will go to a, a like a regular HTML based site, some static one, and land on a page and read everything on the page, and that 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 thing could be back from uh, 1998, and they they don't know, they don't care, but they got they still got the value. But if you put a date on there and they go, oh my gosh, that's from 1998, uh, you know, obviously that that's not even worthwhile anymore. So I'm going to go off and look for something uh, uh, more current. It's also one of the reasons why I've sort of stayed away from anything that has to do with the news. I mean, I have, I have, uh, I've been, I've received offers, for example, from BH Photo. They contacted me and said, "Hey, can we send you a camera to review?" And I, they wanted me to make like a video review of the camera, and and I'm an affiliate with them, so I could not only talk about the camera but also send people over to go and buy the camera on their site. And I went through this thing about, okay, I, I like being known as somebody who knows about video, but I don't really want to get into the stay up on the latest camera game because the latest camera changes all the time. I mean, new cameras are coming out all the time. It's crazy. I don't want to be in the game of trying to stay up on video news. Hey, here's what's going on in the video world. Hey, here's what's going on. All of my content becomes old within weeks. You know, I don't want that. So what I've focused on, and I've intentionally done this, is I focused on stuff that's universal. And it's one of the things that makes me nervous about about dealing with uh, specific, you know, uh, specific software. And I, I'm, I know I'm going to bite. I know I'm going to be hurting soon, probably about this. But I just got done a year ago, right, launching my Final Cut Express course, which is about Final Cut Express 4.0, and now. I'm just now about to launch my next course. I'm, I've been working on it all week, and it's about Final Cut Express 4.0. And the whole time I'm working on this, I know that there's a 5.0 version that's due. Nobody's announced it, but I know it's coming out any time now. So I don't know how long this is going to go. I mean, hopefully, I mean, it's been overdue for, I don't know, probably years, but, you know, but it's going it, to, 
I've got my fingers crossed that Apple's going to hold off and not launch anything for the next year or two, and then we'll see what happens at that point. But every time you base something on something that's timely like that, you're going to either have to recreate it or now I'm lucky that a lot of people will continue to use 4.0 for a couple of years. You yeah, know? though you'll uh, if you want to stay in that business when five comes out, I'll have it in my hands on day one. Yeah, and yeah. and you'll have to make a training video. Yes. for that. Yep. Uh, even though there may be ninety nine percent the same, same same stuff. Yep. Uh, and only have updates. It's still uh, in the minds of the consumer a completely different product. Yep. Yep. So, so I guess, I guess the theme of this discussion here is just think ahead when you're creating the content, if you can learn from, learn from my mistake of putting untimely or wait, I guess, how do you say that? Putting timely content in the mid, in the middle of stuff (laughs) that should be evergreen. I mean, my field hasn't changed substantially in a long time. When I'm talking about lighting, you know, there's a type of a lighting that you do on somebody's face. That is, uh, you know, for a talking headshot, it's called Rembrandt lighting. Do you want to guess why it's called Rembrandt? I do this now. I do Rembrandt lighting now. But you want to guess why it's called Rembrandt lighting? Uh, because that's uh, <laughs> the, uh, the artist used a yeah. particular style of does lighting Im- in his painting. Does that imply how long that method of lighting has been around? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This stuff hasn't changed you know, through the ages, it's been a lot of the, now some of the tools have changed. Like my, my new lights that I just started using, that is those lights haven't been around. I mean, they're sort of revolutionary and they haven't been around up until recently is something that's a viable alternative with good color temperature. So some of the tools do change, but it's sort of like the whole idea of this marketing and the business is that I'm noticing that you could read a marketing book and Tim, you probably have, you could probably read a marketing book that's years old and a lot of that stuff would still apply today. Yeah. You just have to get past the, the dated language. Uh, so I've read stuff that's from, uh, gosh, almost a hundred years ago and, and we still use the exact same techniques today we just don't use the same language. And then you look at stuff from the 50s. We still do those same things. It's just that we don't uh, we don't talk to the the woman of the house like, uh, oh, you, thank know, goodness. Stu- you know, stuff like uh, yeah. in, in, in that respect, like uh, we, we, we've changed those sort of things, you know, because uh, advertising just keeps up with the times as, as culture changes. We, you know. Are, are out there still selling in, in exactly the same ways that we did years ago. It's just we have to use different language. And that, that uh, marketing books are like that all the way across the board. Yeah, when I, was, uh, when I was in sales, one of the books, let's see, one of the books that I read was called Spin Selling, and I think it was written in 1970-something or something like that. And it was just a spin selling was a bestseller. It was a big, I mean, a lot of people would put on the resumes that they were trained in spin selling and all that. But everything I read is all the same. It's all the same stuff. It's all about, you know, finding problems and creating solutions and, and presenting it in a way that it makes sense and building value and creating an offer that people can't refuse. You know, it's all the same stuff. Yeah. And you just do that online. The, the neat thing about uh, being on the internet is that you can do it in a way that you don't have to be a great salesman. I mean, th- that's, that's what I like about it because I was never a great salesman. I, you know, I can sell, but it's always a lot of work for me to go through that, uh, to go and sell, to, especially to someone cold. It, it, it was always a ton of work, but you get online and you can build a, a you know, a community, you can build an audience and then, then you're just 
making a recommendation. It, you're, you're not really having to do a hard sale. You can, and, and you may get your conversion rate up you know, higher, but you don't even have to do that. You can make a living by just offering something of good value to people who trust you. And, and that's it. It, 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 it's, it's awesome uh, to be able to do that. I think a pretty good example of that is Mark Spagnolo from the wood whisperer. I mean, he, he is a self-proclaimed, uh, what do you say? I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was something along the lines of his personality, not being like a real aggressive sales type of personality. It was sort of the opposite of that. And so he takes more of a soft approach to sales on his website and it totally works for him. He's a full-time guy and he makes makes a full-time living from it. So it can definitely work without having to be that. That's the other thing is I think that, you know, so much of the web is based on uh, is based on writing. I think it's more important to be a good writer these days when you're dealing with the web stuff than it is to be a good, like, quote, salesperson, you know? Yeah, well, a good salesperson, if, if done well, can tell the story uh, to, to someone online. Uh, so it's a great way to leverage yourself. If you're really good in person doing, uh, you know, face-to-face sales, well, use media to leverage that. You could do it in writing if you wanted. If you, if you like writing, good at writing, you can do that. Or you can do it in audio form or you can do it in video form. And uh, guys who are great selling face-to-face can sell very well with a video. Uh, uh, but even if you're not, uh, all you have to do is build build trust in your audience and and then just offer something of great value to them. And that that is selling on the web. I it, it's it's one of those things that that well, I guess probably why we believe that anyone can do this. You know, anyone who who wants to quit their job, anyone who wants to uh, make a, a big change in their lives can you know, go out and make a living on, uh, on the internet, even if you're, if you're not a self-proclaimed great salesperson or a marketer or whatever, you, you just, you know, keep, keep in contact with people of like mind and you will build that community that will trust you. You know, what's funny is that a lot of people, I, I just realized I start a lot of, uh, a lot of my phrases with, you know, what's funny. And then I, <laughs> and then I follow it up with something that actually isn't funny. <laughs> it's just, that's kind of weird. But, uh, but what I was about to say is in sales, a lot of times I, I was a salesperson. I was a face-to-face salesperson and I did well at it. But there's a couple things I recognized. And that is one of them is I was a horrible salesperson with something I didn't believe in. Like it had to be something I really believed in. And then it wasn't really so much like selling as much as it was just sharing what I really believe in. And, and I would take it personally a lot of times. If somebody would reject me, I'd be like, what are they thinking? This is like so good for them. And what are they thinking? You know, it'd be a personal thing. In fact, there were, I sold a lot to restaurants and all my friends and my family know that there are restaurants that I wouldn't eat at. That they, you know, because they, I had presented to them our services, and they had rejected it, and I'm, I took it very personally, so I wouldn't even eat there anymore. <laughs> and so people would ask me, "Hey, is this a safe restaurant? You know, are we allowed to eat here? <laughs> is this Izzy approved? Is this Izzy approved? There we go." And so, but um, the other thing is that is uh, that I was going to mention is that a lot of the success at selling comes from listening. 
And, you know, that was one of the interview questions that we would ask things like, you know, so what are the key successes in sales? I mean, key attributes to be a good salesperson. And the big thing was just being able to listen. If you were good at listening, if you could, if you could listen to what people are telling you, they would tell you what they want. You know, they'll tell you what they're interested in, what they want, what, what their problems are and how you can help them. People will tell you that. But a lot of times when people talk about, oh, that so-and-so is a good salesperson, what they're referring to is somebody who's really talkative and doesn't do any listening at all. It's sort of the opposite. You know, good salespeople tend to be good listeners. And they can almost, they can almost hear what you're saying without you having to say it. Yeah, I, and I think that's why we've gone on. Uh, like some of the, A couple of things you've just said is you, know, you, you could be a good salesman when it was something that you believed in. That's why we say, you know, do something that you're passionate about because if you're passionate about it obviously you believe in it yep and and so sharing that with other people is not going to be a problem for you the uh, being a good listener well now that's a little tougher when when you're putting out your own form of media when uh, when you're broadcasting whether it's through writing on a blog or doing an audio show or doing a video show you can't hear what the uh, what the other person's saying. So that's why early on we did a live stream just so we could interact with people quickly early in in what we were doing. That's why we uh, comment, uh, you know, we interact with the commenters on our blog. And that's also why we ask. We uh, we send out emails saying, you know, could you tell us what it is that that uh, you you want what it is that you're thinking because well, we can't listen to you when because we're here just recording this audio. We can't hear what you're saying. We can't hear what you're thinking right now. So that's why we try our best to uh, to connect with you. There are so many different ways to listen. You know, there where we can listen, even as content creators. If if I'm a blogger or if I'm a podcaster, there's all kinds of things I can do to listen. Obviously, comments are one of the ways to do it, and you start to hear common themes. The same things come up. I mean, this course that I'm creating right now about Final Cut Express, this advanced course, I. I launched my original one like a year ago, and it's almost like I started creating my new course then because almost immediately people were saying, oh, I love this course. And in the next one, can you make sure and include this? And can you also do this? And can you do something that's really advanced in this area? And, and for a year, I've been listening to people make requests for specific things that they wanted to know also. And so as a listener, I mean, they, I get, uh, you might say that I listen via email, I listen via comments, we have a voicemail line, we, we, I periodically do surveys. In fact, one of the things that I did for my members not too long ago is I put out a, a survey that just went to my members and I said, you know, it's a big priority for me. I want to make the membership program better. I want it to make it awesome, more, better than what it is right now, even though, even though I do get feedback from people that say, you know, it's worth so much more and blah, 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 right? I still wanted to make it better. And so I surveyed them and said, what will make it even better? And a couple of things that they said were things like, you know, can you make it easier to search for a specific topic? You have this huge catalog of videos, and it'd be nice if I could just search for lighting and have it bring up all the videos that have to do with lighting. And that was a pretty easy thing for me to implement, but I had to restructure. It took me, I don't know, maybe a week or two weeks to restructure the whole membership area. But I did it. I also added forums based on the fact that everybody kept asking for forums. They wanted to talk to each other, you know? So... So anyway, I guess the long story short is there's a lot of different ways you listen. It's not the same thing as having a conversation face-to-face, but between email and comments and surveys and voicemail and, and uh, just, just all the different ways. I mean, reading other people's websites where they talk about your website, that's a way of listening. 
Yeah, so let's let's bring it all the way back around oh, to wow. where yeah, yeah where we started. Off. We went well. Uh, I, I think this like these are the important things that that get involved with making great content and and how to bring that value over into paid content. Whether whether you do it, uh, you know, Izzy's approach, uh, where you know you put your main content out there for free and then and then move that behind a a paid wall. Or you put out uh, free content and then you create paid content, which is the approach that I said to do. But all, but you can't do gr- uh, really great content without listening, without doing something that you're passionate about. You know all, everything that we've been talking about. So I guess to sum it all up is uh, try it. See if you already have a website, th- consider okay, should I take the content that I have right now and start selling it? Make it into an ebook. Make it into a membership site. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- oh, that's what we didn't talk about was uh, your experience was to make a membership site. And I, and I know we've got listeners out there who are thinking, oh, you know that that's great, but well, what kind? You know, do I do I do a membership site that is uh, a one time thing where you just buy it? It's kind of like a course, or uh, you know, it's just a certain amount of content. Or do I make it an ongoing process or do I make an ebook? You know, uh, what, you know, what do I do to, to make this paid, you know, content? You know, do I take all my videos or, or how, or all my posts and, and like put them all together and do I do it as a membership site or do I do it as an ebook? You know, what do I do with it? And the answer to that is it depends. Doesn't it depend, Tim? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends because if I'm planning on, like, I can see both scenarios working. For me, I had to do a membership site because my content was mostly videos and I couldn't find a tool. I had to basically make my own solution using a membership site to be able to uh, be able to provide videos, large numbers of downloads and big bandwidth and all that stuff. I could, even eJunkie, I think they had a limit when I was looking at it at the time on how how big the videos could be and all that stuff. So so what I did is I uh, created membership sites and I have I have membership sites that are continuously renewed. Like for example, my main Izzy video membership, I add two new videos to that a month and so people pay to continuously be a member to that. But then I also have membership sites that don't change. Like my Final Cut Pro course is a standalone course. It's a page that doesn't change. All it is is links to the videos that I have, but people pay to have access to that page. And that's and you know when they buy it, it it goes for a period of time, and they have access for that period of time, and they can download all the content, save it to their computer or whatever. So I think even if you have stagnant content, I think that you could set up as a membership site. Now, if you want a continuity type of thing where they're paying a monthly amount, I think at that point you need to have. I mean, there has to be an incentive for somebody to stay continue to pay monthly. There needs to be that value there on a monthly basis. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's always the thing. It's like, what kind of business do you want? Do you want to create one awesome product and get really good at selling it? Or do you want to build a community and, and continually provide awesome content to them on a monthly basis? Uh, it takes a, a different approach for either one. And it's also creates different forms of income yeah where where if you have a single course well you have to sell x number of those every month to be able to you know pay your bills with a membership site you get up to the members you need to pay all your bills and then you just keep adding new ones to you know uh cover any attrition you may have that you know so so that continuity program is something that is just so attractive 
uh, you know, when I had a pool company, you know, we had uh, every every uh, first of the month, you know, we always knew that the the bank account was going to be flush with cash because, well, all of our customers would be paying, you know, at the first of the month. And 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 then anything else we did with like uh, remodeling a pool, well, that was just, you know, extra money that month, you know, but all the bills were paid, you know, on the first of the month. That's what's great with continuity type uh, businesses. So you can, you know, but it also means you're there every month. Yeah. I mean, there are solutions like some people have talked about, what is it called, where they trickle out content little bit by little bit. So maybe they have a massive content already made. But then when people sign up for the membership program, they just get a little bit of the content at a time trickled out over weeks or months or something like that. Right. Uh, uh, but that entails, you know, having built all the content ahead up front. of time. Yes. And and when you're taking action, as we tell you to do, well, you're not going to have a year's worth of content already made. So you so you may have your charter members go into a membership site that uh, get uh, get a discount because they're on, they're getting the content as it's being created. But then you can uh, do some launch stuff, which we're going to talk about in like another show where you take your take it off the market where no one can buy for a while and then you come out with well no longer selling it to your charter members right and now it's going to be a higher price because all the content's already there and those people get it uh delivered to them you know time delayed delivery you know they're going to get you know that content over over say 6 months or something so, you know, that's a great way of doing it. it. I've never tried it that way. I've thought about it and I've considered it, but I've never actually done it because it doesn't really work for my model. I mean, when people when people sign up for my program, it's because they want basically they want access to everything now. And so it, I would end up with a lot of very frustrated. I would have to totally restructure the whole thing, honestly. So I'd have to restructure my whole membership to do it that way. So I'm not really I'm not really keen on that idea for my own work. But I can see how it would definitely work for something that's going to be a, like a coaching program, definitely. I could see it working for that. I think it would work if you and I were to create something, honestly, that, where we trickled out content over time because it's not like somebody can build a business overnight. They could, like they could read everything there is to know today and then have it built tomorrow. It's going to be a gradual thing. So we could structure it based on where they are in their business. And- yeah, because the hardest thing about a business is when you get information you can't use and and when you're starting out, most, most of the information out there is stuff you can't use. It feels like you need it, but until you get certain things built, uh, like there's, there's no sense in worrying about getting traffic if there's no place for the traffic to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so, so you need to think about all, all those things. Uh, you can get there quickly, uh, but you can't get there get uh, get to your destination all at once you know we, you can't teleport to success you know it's, i'm listening here and i can't figure out a sentence that's going to sum up this conversation because we've kind of it's a big it's been a journey we've talked about several different things but we're getting to that time where we should probably wind down yeah i i, I honestly don't know i mean it, we we wanted to cover you know going from the free content to a paid content then we went into what makes the content great and then we said okay here's forms in which you can put the content and and you know sell that you know which uh, paid walls that you could that you could do so i don't know you're gonna have to be the creator you're gonna have to be the creator here's what i'll say are you ready for this this is what i'm gonna say hopefully this information is helpful and that it's got your wheels turning and that maybe you'll be able to use some of this in your own business and that's it for today 
Enjoy your foolish adventure. Thanks for listening to Foolish Adventure. If you found this information helpful and want more like it, please visit foolishadventure.com. Do you have specific questions you'd like us to answer? Leave a comment on the website. Who knows? Maybe we'll create a whole show to answer it. Also, we have a voicemail line where you can ask questions. The number is 480-331-4695. 